Welcome to the Vineyard Northridge Weekly Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Dennis Kozloff. For more information about our church, visit our website at vineyardnorthridge.org or find us on social media at Vineyard Northridge. As Neil said, we, we're starting this series. He already started. And the Bible reveals that the normal Christian life that God desires for us is a life of continual growth and transformation, life of increase and development. It's not just a life of good routines and godly habits. Neither you nor I are exempt from intentional, purposeful movement from where you are to where you're not yet in relation to God. A man was standing on a bus stop waiting for his bus. And he was bored, and he, out of his boredom, he was watching what's going on around him. And he saw these two road workers, and they were doing something strange. One road worker were digging the ditch. He was digging the ditch, following kind of a straight line. The other guy, a few feet behind him, was filling the ditch, was filling the ditch with the same dirt. And he just couldn't resist his uh, curiosity. He said, excuse me, like, I'm just curious, what are you guys doing? And they said, well, we're just doing our job. There was supposed to be a third guy to lay down the cable, but he got sick today. (laughs) So you see, sometimes like one missing element can make the whole project pointless. So today I'm talking about something so basic, so elemental. But if you miss it, a lot of what you do in your Christian life is going to be pointless. You know, some people think that, like, there's a learning curve in everything, and it's true. So some people think, I become a Christian, I have a bunch of ungodly habits, so now I need to dig them out and fill them with a new godly, you know, good, pious habits, like reading the Bible, going to church, giving money, da 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 That's not going to cut it, guys. It's not going to cut it. Because you need to have a cable. <laughs> you need to have a cable. You, know, you, you, you can have a beautiful house full of light bulbs and appliances and they're pointless if there's no cable from the power plant connecting your house to 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 this source of power faith is that thing that i'm going to talk about today all right (laughs) amen today we're talking about this first and essential element faith new last last sunday he compared this whole journey of spiritual growth with uh well he compared this process with the long Lifelong journey. And we, if we use this metaphor that spiritual growth is a journey, you know, you can plan a journey. You can study the map. You can read facts about the places that you're about to visit. You can prepare for difficulties that you might uh, face along the way. But you know what? If you don't have a reliable car in your parking lot, you're not going to go far from your house. Faith is that car for you. Biblical faith is that vehicle that will take you to places where God wants you to take. If you don't have that vehicle, if you don't exercise this vehicle, if you don't use this vehicle, you're going to stay where you are. You, you will be just bound by like a behave, behavior modification. But Christianity is not behavior modification. It's a new birth and it's a new life and it's learning to live out of a different source. Not out of the source that you used to live, not out of the source that this world lives, living out of a different source. What connects you to that source? Your faith. So let's dig into that. All right? 
So the first scripture I'm going to read is 2 Corinthians 13, 5. I'm going to read part of this verse. But it's an interesting thing because Apostle Paul, he calls us to test ourselves. And here's the verse. Examine yourself to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourself. I call it biblical realism. Biblical realism being real means that the failure is a real possibility. So this test that Paul is calling you to apply to yourself means that you can live some days in the faith and some days totally not in the faith. You can live months and maybe even years not exercising your faith. You're a nominal Christian. You consider yourself to be a Christian. Nothing Happening, nothing is really happening in your life that pertains to God intervention, God, you know, action on your behalf because you don't do that test. So it's very important for us to regularly test ourselves to make sure we live by faith, we operate in faith, and we operate out of faith. That's why it's so important to know what does the Bible speak about this thing called faith. The second verse is very important, many of you know it Hebrews. 11.6, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. When I delivered this message last Thursday for our sermon prep team, many of them testified they were personally challenged by God through that sermon. And I pray the same happens to you today. You need to be challenged. Without faith, it is impossible to please God, period. So let's look closely at what faith is and what faith is not, so that we can test ourselves whether we are in faith and make sure we are in faith. So the, the only passage that, that is more like a definition of faith is also found in the book of Hebrews in chapter 11, verse 1. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. I'll read it once again. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and it is assurance about what we do not see i want to add yet you know the word hope was kind of weak for me because hope means like maybe i just hope it happens no i looked at the biblical definition and the biblical language i mean uh, uh, uh greek and in greek this original word used in koine new testament greek means Firm and confident anticipation of something. I mean, you're firm, you're confident, you're sure. And these are the things that nobody sees yet. And you act like you already see them. That's what biblical hope is that is attached to faith. All right? So it is helpful. But we still have some questions like, what are the things we can hope for? What are the invisible things we can be confident about? How can we learn about them? Do we get to choose what we can anticipate God to accomplish in our life and through us? So I hope uh, these questions will be answered as I develop this message. So the first thing that you need to know, and I want you to like listen carefully right now. The first thing that you need to understand that faith is, listen, always based on facts revealed by God to us. I'll repeat it again. Faith is always based on facts revealed by God to us. 
The primary source of this revelation is the Bible. And I will quote Miles Stanford. That's the guy who wrote the book that we're using for the basis of this series. He said, unless our faith is established on fact, it is no more than conjecture, superstition, speculation, or presumption. End of quote. So you can want a lot of things in life. You can hope for a lot of things in life. You can kind of know that those things are biblical and kind of hope for them. You will get nothing. That's the promise of the first books of, uh, of the book of James. He says, if you have a need, legitimate need, you need to come to the Lord and ask Him, and He's going to give it to you. But let this man ask in faith. If he is double-minded, is constantly doubting, he is not really sure, he is not confident, let this man know that he's going to get nothing from the Lord. I mean, that sounds serious to me. You will still get stuff from the Lord because of His goodness and mercy and love. But He wants you to engage deliberately and purposefully with Him, to interact with Him. You know, we should be the most joyful people according to the New Testament because, because it says, I need to be in the spot of light right here. Uh, uh, because it says when we pray, we receive. Amen. You know, we're the people who can talk to God and God can do things in this world because we talk to Him. Do you know that? All right. I'll get some of you saved today. <laughs> so we need to base our faith on what God has revealed about himself in this world. Every, and let me tell you something. You would say, oh, Dennis, you're talking about some spiritual giants. I'm just a John Doe of no significance. No, that's not true. That's not true. You are a Christian. You know who Christian is? The Christian is someone who is born of God. Who has received the, the Spirit of God. So you know how to walk by faith. Every Christian knows that what faith is because he or she became a child of God by faith. Our Christian walk begins by faith when we believe. What does it mean to believe? Receive the testimony of God concerning His Son, Jesus Christ. Someone has preached to you about this man, Jewish man, Jesus of Nazareth living 2,000 years ago, what he was in flesh, he was a Jewish man, a carpenter, whatever, but in his spirit he was the only begotten son of God who came for you. <laughs> and he laid down his life for you. And he absorbed all your crookedness, all your sinfulness, all the curse that you deserved, all the wrath of God. He absorbed it all. And he imputed to you God's good pleasure and God's favor and God's love and acceptance. And you go, wow, <laughs> wow, what happened to me? You know what happened to you? You received the testimony of God and God began to move in your life. The Spirit of God came into your spirit and He gave you the spirit of sonship. And now you go, Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. The Spirit of God enlivened your spirit, made you a child of God that can call God Daddy. Abba, Father is not a religious term. It means Daddy. My little, my little daughter runs to me. Whatever happens to her, she goes, Daddy, help. That's what happened to you when you received a testimony of God about His Son, Jesus Christ. You became a child of God who dared to call God Daddy. And God smiles when you do that. It's not because of you. <laughs> 
is because of Jesus' grace. But through faith, you received a testimony of God about Jesus. The same thing happens for the rest of your life. Anything that you find in the Bible as the divine fact, you receive as true, as a testimony of God given to you. You hear what I'm saying? All right. <laughs> Few misconceptions about faith. Important to know because, unfortunately, some of them crept into the church today, and uh, people think that they try to have faith. They try to exercise faith, but they exercise the wrong faith. <laughs> That's why they don't see results in their life. The first one, I call it New Age faith. Uh, well, you probably heard about the law of attraction and all these things, and you have to visualize and uh, imagine. And don't take me wrong. This thing has legitimacy as far as like psychological exercise. It's important, actually. It's good. It's good. It's good to imagine that you succeed at something that you're trying to succeed. It, you know, every athlete, he tries to envision himself to do stuff that he wants to do that he hasn't done yet. So it's legit, but it's not all there is. It's a good psychological exercise, but it's not biblical faith, all right? Biblical faith, when God speaks and you act upon it, all right? <laughs> oh, people, I love you. Don't worry. I'm not going <laughs> to. Sometimes I wonder. Yeah. <laughs> the next one, misconception about faith is faith in faith. I, I actually got saved in the charismatic circles and Pentecostal circles and word of, word of faith circles. And there's a wonderful people. And what happened in history is there was several centuries of Christian history when nothing was happening. Nothing. People were reading the Bible and they were reading about all these amazing stories that happened in the past. And they looked at their life and nothing is happening in their life. So it's all in the past. So some of them began to wonder. Some of them even invented theology explaining why things don't happen anymore. But people who are sincere, they looked and said, there's not enough basis for this theology. Things happened then. Things are supposed to happen now. They don't happen now. So the problem must not be with God, but must be with us. So they started studying that, and God began to show them the importance of faith. According to your faith, let it be done to you. And they begin to, oh, man, you mean... I can get to experience some of that stuff. And they begin to take baby steps and things begin to happen. People begin to be healed. Demons begin to, cast, to be cast out of people. Wow, New Testament is coming back in their life. But what happened along the way, some of them developed it overly too much. They overstressed it too much and they didn't see the matter of grace. <laughs> so they turned faith into hard work. And actually it became an obstacle because a preacher like that would preach to you that you just have faith and then miracles may begin to happen. And then you try to pray and believe hard enough up to popping your hernias or something. But, but nothing's happening again because you think, I, I, it's, I, 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 never, I never believe hard enough. So I need to believe harder and harder and harder and harder and harder and harder. Before you know it, they don't even see divine facts revealed in the Bible about Jesus, you, and the Father. They, they all consume by trying to believe hard enough. And that's a mistake. For by grace you have been saved through faith. You need to see what God gives you 
by grace. You haven't deserved that. And then you exercise your faith to really claim it, to receive it, to apply it, to begin to see things that the world doesn't see and act upon it. Does this make sense, people? All right, good. He called us people? Yeah, <laughs> I did. <laughs> so Alexander Hay wrote this. He said this, Faith is not a force that we exercise or striving to believe that something shall be, thinking if we believe hard enough, it will come to pass. That may be positive thinking, but certainly not biblical faith. End of quote. So, so be aware of not confusing New Age faith with biblical faith. Although some of that New Age stuff is actually legit for everybody. It's not New Age. It's every human being's her heritage. Heritage, right? You know, God speaks to you with a Russian accent today, you know. So faith is not willpower or striving to convince yourself that something is true. Something is true. You don't need to, like, try to convince yourself. You need to discover what truth is, all right? The only willpower you need is to open your Bible and read the Word of God. Okay, I mean, maybe I didn't make it clear enough. Faith is always based on the facts revealed by God. Those facts are revealed in the book called the Bible. You have no excuse now, all right? The next big enemy of faith is probabilities. It's a big temptation. I'll, 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 I'll give you an example. I, I was sitting in a meeting of some ministers, very experienced ministers, and one of them was looking at his cell phone, and all of a sudden he goes, wait a minute, I found these tickets, airline tickets, for like, they're significantly cheaper now. Maybe it's God telling us that we need to go to this region. And I cringed. That's not the way to do stuff. You need to hear from God first. Without, like, it doesn't matter how expensive tickets are. It doesn't really matter how expensive tickets are. If you heard from God, you stand on those things and He will provide. If you go by probabilities, what's possible, what's feasible, what's realistic, what's safe to do, you will never get anywhere where God wants you to be. In fact, if the first church, early disciples, would adopt this lifestyle of moving by probabilities only, you would not be here. I would not be here today. Can you imagine how much this message of the gospel traveled through, through the land and through the time to reach us here today? Over 2,000 years, all kinds of cultures, all kinds of countries. But it never stopped. It keeps rolling because some people keep exercising faith. God has spoken. I'm taking it. All right? So don't give up to this temptation, probabilities. The life of faith is not life of just trying to play it safe through probabilities. In fact, all people who learn to exercise faith, they all looked like risk takers. God, done, God doesn't call you to take tremendous risk immediately. He wants you to grow. But every step you take with Him, it's a little risk. It's a little more risk. It's a little more. But it becomes your experience. And now, like, years later, you're like, it's nothing. It's fine. I mean, God has led me through that many times. It's nothing. David said, when I was a shepherd, why I'm not afraid of this Goliath guy, this huge dude? Because I was... 
I was exercising, worshiping God and taking care of my sheep. And I was a shepherd. I was a good shepherd. And then he revealed to me that he's my good shepherd. Ooh. And I began to like, oh, he cares for me. He protects me. And then I saw a wolf trying to get one of my sheep. You know what I did? I was a kid. And I ran to that wolf and tear it to pieces and killed it. And took my sheep away from that wolf. Then the same thing happened with a lion. Then the same thing happened with a bear. And now he comes and this guy, Goliath, is there and he says, Who is this dude to say such thing against the people of the covenant? I'm going to take him down. You know why? He spoke in faith based on the experience that was building up that faith. That's why it's important not to waste time to live without faith. Make every week and every day an opportunity to grow in faith, to exercise your faith. All right? Okay. So just your emotions, your feelings, your impressions are not adequate basis for your faith to rest. They fluctuate all the time. In fact, when we were talking, Wes said, they lie to us all the time. Your emotions lie to you. Don't lean on that thing. The sincerity of someone is not sufficient basis for faith to rest upon. You know, I can be pretty transparent, you know me, Neil can be, we're horrible poker players, never invite us to play poker, because we, we wear our hearts on our sleeve, we can be sincere, we can be very enthusiastic sometimes, this sincerity in enthusiasm is not sufficient for you to rest your faith on. It can get you excited, it can get you inspired for a couple of days after the Sunday, but unless you go home and open your own Bible, and begin to receive your own words from God and mix it with your own faith and acting upon this faith, nothing is going to happen in your life. I'm telling you the truth because I love you. All right? Thank you. <laughs> so I, I, I love to be enthusiastic for you guys about God. I love to, to infuse this enthusiasm in you. But this is for you to do something. Go do it. <clears throat> you know, preachers and theologians often overcomplicate faith. But faith, once again, I'll repeat it, it's basically receiving God's testimony. Many think that it's got to be heartfelt and there should be like a fervor. <clears throat> and it's good. <clears throat> I have a little daughter. I have three daughters. But my, my little daughter is five years old. She just started kindergarten last year. <clears throat> she... She's at the stage of her life when she's moving from the world where 2 plus 2 can be anything into the world where 2 plus 2 is 4. You know, she's, she's just in the middle of transferring from there where 5 plus 5 can be 7, 3, or even like red apple or pink elephant. doesn't matter. Now she's moving into... Why does she receive that as true? Because she trusts the source, her teacher at school, her daddy, her mommy. Why do we receive a testimony of God? Because we trust the source, and we trust the messenger, and we begin to take it as true. And then test comes. I have to give you a warning. You may get, get excited, and you want to try to exercise it. You start, the test will come. The test will come. The circumstances, the visible things, the things that we see and experience and can feel and sense, they will start screaming at you that this is not true, what you're trying to tell is true. 
And this is the time for you to stand the test. And it's going to be good for you. First Peter says that this trials of life is actually a test of your faith. And they make your faith pure like gold. All the dross is taken away and your faith becomes stronger. Many people want to have special visitation, special experience, maybe angelic visitation of something that they hear about that other people have. Or maybe something that they read in the Bible and then they believe they would begin to operate powerfully. No, you, you reverse the order. You take the fact of God revealed by Him in the Bible. You begin to put your faith in that and act upon it. And then the experience comes, not vice versa. Never vice versa, all right? So I, I mentioned test of faith, and those of you who are interested who take notes, 1 Peter 1.7 speaks about trials of life as a test of faith. Two more quotes from, from this book. The book is so good. If you can have a chance to, to start collecting those leaflets and putting them in the binder, you don't have to have this binder, actually. If you have a good binder at home, just pick up those leaflets. Right, Neil? Yeah, we're not trying to make money on this. So... <clears throat> So, a couple of more quotes. Real faith is always increased by opposition, while false confidence is damaged and discouraged by it. Real faith is always increased by opposition. You know, faith is trusting God, developing the attitude of dependence upon Him. And this dependence begins, listen to that, when self-dependence ends. Having faith in God... Trusting God begins when you stop trusting yourself. And very often we need a big failure in life to really get to that point. Some of you here actually are pretty good avoiding failures. And it's kind of hard for you to relate to that message. But it's because you, you're selective. You are a failure. There are areas where you are a failure and there are areas when... It's impossible for you to pull it off. You need to come to realize that. You know, the whole function of the law in the Old Testament is to let you know how much you are a failure so that you become a broken vessel to be able to receive the fullness of the grace of God. And this is the same thing with faith, you know. So failure is not always bad. Failure is not always bad. Self-dependence... Often it takes failures, broken plans, and hopes that we nurtured to get to this point. And then we become an empty vessel. As a conclusion, I want to say to you this. We want to really know God. Can I hear an amen to that? We really want to know God for real. Like we read in the Bible, these people, they experience God. They pray God answers. They hear God speak. They do stuff for God. Things happen around them all the time. God intervenes. We want to live like that, right? So let me just reiterate this biblical pattern, how it's going to happen in your life and in my life. First, you hear God's testimony. It comes to you through messengers, through preachers, through the Word of God, through somebody who has experienced already something that you haven't. So you receive this testimony. You check the validity of that. You see if it's biblical. You see if it's in the Bible. If you see if it is really God's Word. You see if it's available to you, if it's something that God made available for you and wants you to have. And then you begin to react upon it and you stand the test of faith. You, you just refuse to yield 
until you see the results. You see it, and then it becomes your experience. That's, that's what I see in the Gospel of John, in the Epistles of John a lot. You know, for some of you, you don't have a habit of reading the Bible. You need to start. But don't do it as a religious duty. Do it to discover, to find out what are the divine facts that you can rely on. For some others in this congregation, you read the Bible so much that it almost means nothing to you anymore. You need to freshen it up somehow. What I did for this year for myself, I grabbed a brand new Bible... Like, no markings on there. And I, I made it specially to study the matter of grace. Because grace is my thing. I love to discover the grace of God. And I grabbed the new highlighters. And I began with the Gospel of John. And you know what? I, I almost felt like I, I, I pushed the button to reset myself to factory settings. Like, no baggage. And I like, I'm getting excited. I'm reading through the Gospel of John like I've never read before. I'm discovering so many amazing things, and I want to I experience them in my own life. So I, just a little suggestion. Maybe some of you need to do that. So here I am. I'm really finishing. I'm really finishing. I want to finish with the same words of Paul that I started with, 2 Corinthians, but I'm going to read it a little longer version of this verse. I'm going to read the rest of the verse. 2 Corinthians 13.5, examine yourself. To see whether you are in the faith. Test yourself. Neil asked me a question. Dennis, are you going to tell us how to test ourselves? Yes, I will. Keep on reading. Do you not realize that Jesus Christ is in you? Test yourself. Do you not realize? Here's the divine fact. Here's the fact that is revealed by God. That if you have received Jesus, He lives in you for real. Do you live in the light of what has happened to you because of Jesus Christ? Do you get up in the morning and say, Hey, Jesus, I'm so glad that there is no condemnation for me. Jesus, I'm, Father, I'm so glad that you have nothing against me and there is no separation between you and me anymore. I don't have to worry about cleaning myself up. There is no separation. It was all swollen up by you on the cross. I love you so much and you love me so much. Let's go into this day and find who we can share this love with. Move through me. Jesus Christ lives in me for real. I am in Jesus. God himself was brought in me. I'm a temple of God. I myself was brought into God. I am the carrier of God's presence. Let's walk into this day exercising faith in that. All right? Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more information about our church, visit vineyardnorthridge.org or find us on social media at Vineyard Northridge.